The guests on Love Hurts occasionally use some adult language and go into some more intense subject matter, but that's kind of how real life works anyway. This is Love Hurts. I'm Brian Berlin. Today's guest is J.D. Stevens. J.D. is a comedian and voice actor living in California. In 2017, J.D. lost her dad, and it had an immense effect on her life. J.D. knew the two of them loved each other no matter what, and losing him sent her into a spiral of trying to cope with the loss while also measuring every relationship against what they had together. Hey, J.D., how's it going? Hey, it's going pretty good. How about you? Good. Just, you know, making my way through the day. Um, yeah, we I, we haven't met before. So, hello. Nice meeting you for the first time. Yeah, good to meet you. Are you, where <laughs> are you in the world right now? I'm in my car. In your car. <laughs> <laughs> How is it in there? Um, Kind of messy. Kind of okay. messy. <laughs> yeah. That's like my, yeah, my office right now is the same way, so both this is our vibes that we're going into this conversation with <laughs> uh, cool. vibes. yeah well thank you so much for doing this and um yeah what what did you want to talk about today yeah so you have this amazing podcast about loss and love hurting so i thought i would bring up my own story of uh of a loss that has kind of affected me in every relationship since. <laughs> like in both like when you say every relationship, like romantic relationships, like friendships or just like every, All of ev- them. everything, everything, yeah. everything, friendships, um, anybody that I let close to me. Okay. This like inevitably be- this loss inevitably kind of becomes a part of that in some way. Yes, definitely. Um, and that is my dad actually so i was really lucky right i had an amazing dad and he always worked (laughs) but like when he wasn't working he was he was the best dad um i always say i'm a second generation nerd because we always played video games and by play video games, I mean, I'd ask him to kill the boss and then suddenly it's on his game and he's taken over and <laughs> I I have been dismissed from the console. Yeah, so you started <laughs> playing the game, needed help, and then it became like his game once he helped you. Yeah, pretty much. Was there a particular game that you like really remembered this with? Um. Yeah, he took away my Banjo-Kazooie. It was <laughs> It's so rude. He couldn't kill the witch on mine, so he gave up and started playing his own game. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) It was pretty great. Like, I look back and I'm like, you can come steal my game again. (laughs) I think that's when you know you really miss someone. When you're like, you can come piss me off again. It's okay. (laughs) Yeah, this thing that that annoyed you uh, about him is now this thing that you're like oh I wish I could just have this moment again kind of thing yeah where you're like just just come back and yell at me for the dishes I still won't bring them back to the kitchen but I'd like to hear you yell about it one more time (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, I was infamous for keeping dishes in my room and he was infamous for yelling at me about it. (laughs) (laughs) Where are my dishes? I don't know. (laughs) That sounds like a you problem. (laughs) Yeah, they're not mine. I'm holding them, but they're your dishes. So you got to figure it out. Exactly. I'm holding them ransom in my room, but you're you're welcome to go get them. Yeah. They miss you. You should say hello. <laughs> um yeah, no, we had a really great relationship where we could piss each other off, yell at each other, not 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 in a toxic way, but you know, like where people argue, people fight, people are human. And you always knew it was gonna be okay. You, you always knew things were going to work out. Things were going to be okay. My dad was the definition of unconditional love. So for me, that was my example. Unfortunately, so was my mother. So here we are. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't mean it in, in the sense of this story. I just mean, uh, I don't know. She's the source of my trauma, but I love her. <laughs> yeah. And I guess like having that relationship with somebody with your dad, right? Of like, And it was funny. The first word that popped in my head when you were describing it was unconditional. And then you said that and I was like, yeah, it just feels like to kind of know at the end of the day, like you two are going to be okay no matter what you kind of go through together. And, and that's like a really nice and a rare thing to feel with, you know, everybody yeah. and family especially i feel like can be a tough thing to always feel like that with um, yes yeah yeah i've looked for that everywhere like and it doesn't really exist it doesn't exist in friendships it doesn't exist in relationships um it just it doesn't exist it, it, and people say unconditional but they i look to a different level of stain I guess I don't know I I look to my dad's example and I feel like that doesn't exist in this generation yeah when you say that like just by in the 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 sense of like the relationship and dynamic and way you two loved each other and how that's just like not something that you can find today yeah and I and I don't just mean romantically I also mean like in friendships yeah like it's very rare I do have friends that are like that but it's very rare most people are not that way. Most people, you fuck up and that's it. <laughs> you fucked up. Yeah, I guess and it's it like, was... oh, it's it's really hard, I think, when I think about stuff like that to like, you know, I think, you know, the, the role of a parent in your life, right? There's somebody who's lo- around long enough to have enough interactions with when you think about like friendships as you get older it's harder like that that like thing you get like oh this person's not worth my time anymore that threshold changes because they're not a family they're not somebody you have to spend time around and you grow up around right like Mm -hmm. I think when we enter our like 20s and 30s the people you spend time with are like if somebody does something that you're like oh that's kind of fucked up there's not that like oh well I'll give them another chance right there there's a like I think we're we're quicker to to just like throw people aside if they're not the right people for us. Yeah, we're so quick to point out people's fuck ups or their mistakes or you hurt me and I'm done with you. And, you know, people have free will. It's your prerogative to do that. 
But I don't know. To me, that just feels like such a shallow way. No, I shouldn't say shallow. It feels like a very unhealed way to go about loving people. Because it's, it's loving from a place of fear. It's loving. And I don't know. <laughs> um, my dad, I guess, was that example that you could love in a different way. That you could fight like cats and dogs, because of course we did. Those dishes never came out of my room. <laughs> I think they're still there at my mom's house. <laughs> um but but still care so much for each other and still be able to have that relationship dynamic. Um in 2017 he passed away. And it was one of those things I have to tell you where it was just like I have several mental illnesses, so I have officially just left the building. I'm not present in my body. And it was one of those shocking things, you know, where it's just like. You want it. To be okay, you want it to not be real. I remember the first 24 hours. Um. It was just, it was a combination of this isn't real and then coming back to it's real. And I would say the first three weeks, it was, you would cry, subdue, disassociate, come back, break down, cry, disassociate. And that was just my cycle. Um, and I remember that first night I went and I just grabbed pizza rolls and I threw them in the oven and my sister was like, what are you doing? And I was like, I eat my feelings. I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) And I was like, if I just eat enough pizza rolls, maybe I won't feel as much pain. So food did not, by the way, stop the pain. I will tell you like food, food does not stop the pain. I I ate an entire bag of Totino's pizza rolls. Didn't stop the pain. Um, So I turned to drinking, actually. And I became a severe alcoholic. And I worked at 6 a.m. until 2.30. And then I would go to a coffee house and I would down a ton of caffeine. And I would write And I would just continue to write until about 8 or 9 p.m. And then I would go to the bar. And I self-medicated with hugs from strangers and double gin and tonics poured strong and karaoke. (laughs) The classic combo. Right? Because I had walked away from the church not long before this. And I was in a shitty ass relationship with this guy from Florida at the time. And I knew that I needed to get rid of it, but it's like one, please take a number. Your time will come (laughs) one tragedy at a time. But I was going through so much when I lost my dad and I had this weight on my ankles because the guy was just 
he added so much emotional baggage to that on top of losing the person that made everything feel like it was going to be okay. And I know that that's a false thing because we never know if it's going to be okay. But like my dad was that person where as long as he existed, life just felt like it was going to be okay. And now I had to completely figure out my shit. I had to figure out how to feel okay. And I didn't. So I would manipulate that with drinking and weed. And I became the biggest stoner I knew. And I would stay at the bar until like 2 p.m., 2.30 a.m., go home, get a little bit of sleep, get up at about 5, maybe 5.15, take a shower, rush to work for 6 a.m. Like I, my body was just beat and done and I wasn't sleeping and I was constantly high. I was constantly drinking. I was constantly pouring copious amounts of caffeine into my body and there were many carbs. (laughs) Yeah, it was just kind of like you didn't know what to do. Like you were just like, what thing can I do to help? with this pain that I'm feeling. Exactly. I just wanted something to feel like a hug. And aside from hugs from strangers at the bar, nothing felt like a hug. <laughs> um, but I kept pushing through and I kept trying and I was breaking in the process. But I was also discovering myself. And what I discovered is that I'm queer as fuck. <laughs> and I gave myself permission to really get back into writing and to officially call myself a writer again, um, to allow myself that. And I went back to school and I decided I was going to get my degree. And um, I did, by the way. I, I just finally got it. It took, it took 20 years to get my associates. <laughs> Two degree, two year degree, my ass is <laughs> <laughs> not a thing. Um, and I pushed myself really, really hard. And people call me resilient because I've lived through so much, and I pushed through, and I kind of like forced myself to be okay in situations where maybe I'm not. Um, because. I didn't know how to process that. I didn't know how to process the loss. And I'd been carrying it around this whole time. I carried it into every relationship that I had. And then I would get high or drunk and I would start crying. And these guys had no idea why. And I was never dating the right person, right? Like I dated so many guys that were just not right for me. Um, And they would just look at you like, what the fuck? what is going on one of them i moved in with after 24 hours because he had his own toilet and made a decent steak (laughs) he saw me go through some pretty hard shit and he was actually he was really decent dude he um we did not work out it turns out you need more than a than a toilet in common to make a relationship work um but he let me stay in his room and work from home until I could find a place. So he he was he was cool. Well, it also feels like you're kind of living in the space of 
still processing like losing your dad and and as you said like you're you're having trouble finding relationships that it almost feels like you're you're like looking for a level of intimacy that you can't like pretend to create with somebody but you're kind of doing it just as like a I don't know how to bridge this gap so I'm just kind of like doing my best to get there with these people that I probably don't I'm not right to be there with but I don't know how else to handle this right yes and then I moved in with another guy because I didn't learn my lesson after I'm I moved in with these really great roommates um and then I ended up moving in with this guy because you know I I'd gone to like two sessions of therapy and decided I was a healed bitch and yeah, you ready figured it for, out. I was like, I have <laughs> therapy. Let's do this. <laughs> we didn't even touch on the loss of my dad. I actually got <laughs> fired. I got fired by an EMDR therapist that was what, supposed to be one of the best. And my insurance went ahead and said, okay, we'll make the exception. We'll, we will cover you to go see this man. He fired me as his client because he was like, you haven't processed your trauma enough for me to work with you. You are excused. <laughs> That's the whole point of a therapist. What is? <laughs> I know. He was like, I don't do talk therapy. I, I need do you EMDR. in a better. You need to be in a better place before I can help you. <laughs> yeah. He was literally like, this is not for you. <laughs> so oh he just fired me. I got fired. Um, and, and that was just like, well, all right, that's fine. I don't need you anyway. <laughs> so now that I've been fired from my therapist, uh, I mistake that for graduating therapy and I, and I go back on the dating apps and I meet this, this guy and I moved in with him, but I had written in my journal, this is not the one and then I moved in. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is, hmm. It was horrifying. It was a nightmare. It was, I don't know. It was something out of a horror movie. And, and it just kept getting worse. And my best friend was like, would you please leave? But I have a fear of abandonment and I have trauma that I have in process and I'm afraid of losing people because I lost my dad, which exacerbated my fear of abandonment. So I'm clinging to this man. Like I will make this work. Girl, he was closer to murdering me. Are you for real? <laughs> like, what are we doing with our lives? It, oh, my God. My friends were terrified for me. I finally left, and, and my best friend was like, you are not going back. And I actually had two of my friends help me move because he insisted on being a part of it for some reason um, because I was afraid to be alone with him. And they were like, that is a terrifying man. <laughs> like, when your friends say that, okay, you you gotta you gotta listen that's important i don't listen i'm stubborn i'm like but that could be home no get out get out 
because I'm simultaneously looking for my dad, that person that's going to stay, that person that chooses you. But I'm also looking for that unhealed trauma, right? That person that's going to hurt me, I think. And in the last relationship that I had, I I came in and I thought that I had met the love of my life, my best friend, like my player one to my player two. I'm obviously player two. Okay. Like let's, <laughs> I'm not player one energy. I'm player two. Cause I'm going to be like the goob that just like falls and you know, like player two is useless. And that is me. Well, it's like the, your dynamic with your dad, as you're mentioning, if you play these video games yourself and then when you needed that extra support you'd give it to him like that's like your the dynamic that you're kind of looking for and I guess a partner right yeah is honestly yes is where they are someone that you can argue with and you can fight with and you know that you're solid that they call you on your shit and you call them on their shit and you make that work. But what I want and what my trauma wants are two different things, right? (laughs) My trauma was like, well, what if they leave? And then once I like started to feel secure, it got even worse because then my brain was like, what if they die? And then it just, it, it just, it just catapulted from there. And I mean, there, there were a lot of other factors too. Like I was in a really bad place in life. And I think that honestly greatly contributed to the fear of abandonment because I'm constantly looking for home. I'm constantly looking for the place that I belong. And I have been since 2017, looking for the place where I know that I'll be safe and I can put down roots and this place won't leave me. But in until recently, I have been seeking my home in other people, places, and things. And what I've started doing is making my home in myself and choosing me and telling myself, listen, I can't promise people won't leave, but we should still try because life's short and we're going to be stardust soon. Like, I can't promise they won't leave. And, but I can promise I'll be here. Right. And um, there's this amazing um, life coach, I guess. And his name is Matthew Hussey. And he has this beautiful quote that says, you don't. You don't trust that people aren't going to leave. You trust that you're going to be able to handle the circumstance. And I've started being able to do that as I process his loss. And actually, this last breakup was so devastating because I really love the person. But it was necessary because I was incredibly toxic and unhealed. Um, I remember just sitting on a beach. And I allowed myself to have that experience of actually imagining my dad and actually allowing myself to communicate with him, allowing myself to... I guess forgiveness... Because his final night, I heard a voice tell me that he was going to pass. And I didn't listen to it. Instead, I, I, I broke down in the shower. 
And the next time I found him, he had passed. I was the one who found him. And I was hysterical. And I never forgave myself for that. And I think that that is one of the biggest things that, that I was carrying into the relationships, not just fear of being abandoned, but even worse, fear of screwing it up in the moment that it matters, fear of dropping the ball, fear of letting someone I love down. And so I almost put up these walls in such a way that I didn't show up in the relationship and in my friendships, right? I don't show up. And I tell myself it's because I'm matching energy. But really what I'm doing is I'm pushing people away because I don't want them to, I don't want them to get too close. I don't want to let them down. And so I end up letting them down and myself down by not letting anybody in. And I did that in my relationship without realizing it because in some senses and in some regards, my dad and I would have that too, where we didn't talk very much and I regretted it completely, but I always knew where we stood, but I've always kept people at arm's length. And especially since that happened. And that's something I've had to process uh, to allow myself to let people in, to allow myself to receive love that is so hard for me to, because I feel like if I let myself love this person completely, I will have to lose them someday. And I don't know if I'm strong enough for that. So it's easier to lose them because I push them away than to lose them because I let them in and I let them be loved and loved them and lost them. That's so hard. That's yeah, so I mean, that's hard. A, yeah, I think that's a very tough thing that I'm sure a lot of people deal with. You know, it's like a scare. It's very scary to love somebody in that way. And I think like going back to how we started the conversation and talking about you and your dad, right? And this this word of unconditional, right? And like, that's a very scary place to feel about people. Like that's, there's a lot to that. Um, and a lot that comes with that. And it's like, yeah, it's a hard when you, ex especially when you experience loss and, and all the ways that, you know, you can experience loss and then still feel like, oh, I'm still going to feel this way about somebody. Uh, it's a very scary feeling. It really is. It's, and I think it's, I remember how much it crushed me. I remember how much it almost destroyed me. It was I had significant PTSD. I had alcoholism as a result. Um, I, I was gone. That was some of the worst pain I've ever been through. And it's traumatizing. It's traumatizing. And I think I've started to process it enough to realize you can't avoid loss The idea of the what if ends up hurting almost more than, than losing someone that you loved. The idea of, well, what, what could we have been if I had showed up, if I hadn't pushed you away, if I had received your love and had given you 
the love that I wanted to and was afraid to? Like, what would that have looked like? And I feel like there's almost a bigger regret in that than in losing someone the, the right way because you loved them completely and life happened. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's hard. Yeah, it's it's hard. I think both are very hard. And I guess I think that second one, it's it's the one you're saying of like letting somebody go and then thinking about what could have been like if you didn't let them go. I think that one's harder because there's so much unknown to it, right? Like there's all that like you don't know all the answers to that and your brain kind of is trying to fill in like what could have been and you're never going to be able to kind of answer that in those scenarios where you let somebody go kind of prematurely. Um, but it's hard. It's, it's hard. It really is. It's, but I want to, I want to grow to that. And yeah. I guess, I guess it's been my journey, honestly, is like, um, I did love somebody completely and that was my dad. Yeah. He was my hero. He was the person I looked up to. We fought like cats and dogs and sometimes we were closer than others, but I loved him completely and I lost him. And in that loss, I suffered huge trauma that I had to overcome, addiction, which I had to overcome. I'm two years sober in December. Um, so I did overcome that. And I had to overcome all of all of the bad choices in love that I made, but then like also meeting the right person and not treating them right because I hadn't walked through the healing. And I didn't understand that the healing I had to walk through was less to do with my disorder and more to do with my dad. Yeah. More to do with being okay with the unknown and being okay with being uncomfortable in the unknown, being okay with, Allowing someone to love me. That's so hard. That's so hard. <laughs> yeah, it's such a scary. I mean, I th- I feel that too. It's like very scary to let somebody love you the way that like, yeah, that's so that unconditional or like, oh, I want to though. And I yeah. think I think that's the next leg of my journey. So, yeah, yeah, I, I hope. Yeah, I hope you get that. I feel like it feels like, yeah, you've processed a lot. And this is, again, you mentioned it as a journey, right? It's like it's not just because, yeah, this conversation is coming to an end. It's not like the end of your healing and figuring this stuff out. And I, yeah, I, I hope you, I hope you're able to get, find that next step because it feels like you're getting ready to find it. I will say that um, comedy has helped a lot. Um, I wrote 500 poems this past summer. And several of them have gotten published. So I'm excited about that. Um, And I think that that serves as this really beautiful outlet to just be able to write down all the things that ache and hurt and don't feel good. And to allow myself the vulnerability of feeling so that I can allow myself to one day experience closeness again but i think honestly it has less to do with like letting someone in than finding my home in myself honestly which i've started to do yeah that's great um yeah thank you so much for sharing all this jd yeah for sure (laughs) thank Um, you so much for having me of course yeah (laughs) if people want to find out more about you and what you do like where can they find you on the internet 
Yes. Okay. So I, you can find me a few places. You can find me on Instagram at JD Stevens, JD S T E P H A N S. Um, I also run a show twice a month called Mental Health Mondays through the Instagram live feed of Get Loud Movement, which is a nonprofit that serves the queer artist community. Um, so you can also follow me there. That's at Get Loud Movement on Instagram. Um, I'm one of the many mods. So <laughs> just so you know, <laughs> you may or may not be talking to me on that one. Um, <laughs> and then I also have a TikTok, which is uh, JD underscore Stevens, S-T-E-P-H-A-N-S. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much for sharing. Yeah. And thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Love Hurts is produced, hosted, and edited by Brian Berlin. Theme music by Mickey Hommel. Show art by Caroline Mallon. You can find Love Hurts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, rate and review it on Apple Podcasts and tell a friend about it. You can find Love Hurts on Twitter and Instagram at lovehurtspod, and our website is lovehurtspod.com. I'm Brian Berlin. And this is Love Hurts.